welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Episode 107 and what's more, Richard's back in the house. Hey man, how you doing? What's up, boss? Man, it's it's good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I was really, I was chuffed this morning. I, I, I sent you that text message and said, any chance you can come on? I miss you. So I'm really pleased that you're jumping on. Yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy like two weeks. Uh, my family moved from one part of Texas to another. We're now in Austin and so excited to, Austin has such a rich like startup culture. So I'm excited to you know, attend some meetups and some of the user groups and meet some of the great developers in Austin. But uh, cool to be here. That is so cool, man. And look, thanks for thanks for taking the time to jump on because it's uh, it makes it, well, apart from anything else, it makes it heaps easier for me. Uh, yeah. We've got a bunch of stuff to get through in, in the weekly update this week. And then uh, I what I think is uh, is a really cool interview with uh, a guy named Max Knorr, who's um, going to talk to us about, uh, or talk to me about Office DevOps, which is a, an increasingly important, uh, important thing to think about. Before we do that, Let's let's jump into the news. Anything to jump out at you this week? Well, you know, I've been partially in my paternity leave mode, but um, you know, I do go on Twitter and Facebook and things like that. And uh, one of our regulars, Waldeck, he's just a machine, man. I swear, I, I don't know, I don't know if his full time job is producing like blog posts and IP, but. The guy's just a monster, and so he's been putting out all kinds of things around the SharePoint framework right now. I'm surprised Redmond hadn't tried to like snatch him up, but um, he he did a few posts, one on the SharePoint framework's pre-configured uh, entries section that allows you to go and configure all the different display settings for your client-side web parts. He has one on how to bundle external frameworks in, or, or why it's a bad idea to bundle external frameworks inside of a SharePoint framework client-side web part. Um, He has some considerations for deploying your next one. I mean, uh, just producing content right and left. In fact, I was just looking on Feedly before this call and like, I think two, like three different posts just in the last 24 hours. It's amazing. And, and, and it's all great content too. It's not, uh, it's not just, content for the sake of content it's all really useful stuff i particularly like the one about the pre-configured entities uh pre-configured entries because that's that's the stuff that really makes the makes the end user's job heaps easier if you can give them a bunch of pre uh, of, of defaults like that and make it so it's going to do the right thing most of the time then that's an awesome an awesome way of doing things i also i didn't realize that you could put um you could put multiple uh, multiple options in that pre-configured entries uh uh group as well yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, he's doing a fantastic job of really kind of exposing all the nooks and crannies of the SharePoint framework. Um, because obviously, you know, looking at a quick 101 guide is it's not something that's going to get into the kind of deep workings of it. So it's cool to see, uh, you know, the MVP community really uh, getting all the content out in the public. Yeah, and speaking of the framework, by the way, we've just uh, just dropped uh, drop two of the developer preview, and all the release notes for that are up on GitHub. So that's pretty neat. Um, and there's uh, a whole a whole brand new uh, page on dev.office.com just for SharePoint and uh, and the framework. Yeah, man, that's. Can you imagine how quick this is moving compared to like where we were three years ago as Microsoft? I mean, we're. I mean, this thing only launched like 
two, three weeks ago, and we're already on like a, a release two of this, and just the amount of community activity and and like collaboration between things like our community leaders and the the engineering teams, pretty pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, it's very very cool stuff in state indeed. The um, there's, there's some interesting other other things I found. I, when I, when we chatted with um, the SharePoint guys a couple of weeks ago, uh, React JS is a particular uh, um, um, uh, direction that the, the SharePoint team's taking, particularly with Office UI Fabric, but a bunch of other things as well. Uh, you know, lots and lots of people inside Microsoft are adopting React, and I found quite a nice little um, learning the basics uh, tutorial from uh, a guy named Chris Nwamba, uh, which I've put a link to in the show notes. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely worth checking that out. Um, there's a nice, also a nice uh, bunch of tutorials and web samples for the client-side web parts up on GitHub that the SharePoint team's put together. So, uh, so that's a link there too. There's so much great SharePoint framework stuff as, around, as, as you'd expect, right? That's, uh, that's exactly right. That's exactly what you, you – you, well, as soon as this stuff comes out, that's exactly what you'd expect to happen. Yeah, and Vesa – I'm really pleased. Vesa, Yuvanen, and the PNP team, they've been doing a bunch of stuff too. So there's a, there's a SharePoint PNP webcast on getting started with some of the like, things like SharePoint webhooks and um, – Stefan Bauer, who he's another, you know, really frequent guest, or I would not frequent guest, but frequent contributor to the community. Um, he had a, a, a post on using custom gulp tasks in the SharePoint framework, which I think is pretty interesting. Gulp is one of those, you know, uh, open source tools that Microsoft decided to use with the SharePoint framework. And so uh, Stefan looks at how you can kind of take that and write your own custom task with it. That, uh, that actually links in really nicely to some of the things we're going to be talking to Max about. So we're, I'm going to put that on hold for a minute because there's a couple of other things I want to cover off before we go and talk about DevOps stuff. Um, the um, uh, the, the couple, couple of other Office Dev things that are, that are sort of just, just more general Office Dev, not SharePoint Framework and not so much the DevOps stuff we're going to be talking about. But um, there's quite a nice little infographic that uh, Benjamin uh, Nyulen uh, put together about the components of Office 365. So it, it, this is this is not really so much an Office Dev thing, but if people ask you what is Office 365, there's quite a nice little graphic he's put together of all the of all the components that, that go into it. So that was pretty pretty neat. I've got a link to that. Uh, and then um, uh, the, um, the the Xamarin guys have put together a really nice blog about um, authenticating mobile apps using the Microsoft Authentication Library, which of course allows you to authenticate against Active Directory, but also the new against the new V2 endpoints, so also against the Microsoft Consumer uh, and, um, uh, identity providers. And um, so you know, using that with, with Xamarin, it, it makes, uh, makes the cross-platform dev of Office-related applications much, much easier. That's one that's near and dear to your heart, huh? Yeah, mate, I, that's, that's, that's a good one for me. In fact, I, I noticed, I haven't got a link to this, but I noticed that, uh, that Fabian... Um, uh, Williams, Fabian, Fabian Williams is presenting on exactly that at Ignite, so uh, that's very cool. The um, the other one that I that I wanted to re- to jump on before we got to DevOps is uh, there's a, a neat little article in Endgadget about how Microsoft and Mercedes are bringing Office Calendar to your car. So the idea being that uh, you'll jump in your you'll jump in your car and uh, and uh, it'll be integrated with your Office. Thought it was kind of a, a neat concept. That's really cool. You know, um, we're always in in our organization doing little like internal like hacks. So like when we do um, our our big conference internal conferences twice a year, Tech Ready, we always do like a DX hackathon where just as employees we can kind of come up with ideas and just try to hack around and see if we can't get it to work. A pretty common one is you know we have a few people, a few colleagues that have the Tesla. 
um, what, what is it? The Model S, I guess. Um, that that has like the you know huge like dash of just yeah, some, like like yeah. yeah, and so they've they've actually like toyed around with trying to do similar things with that because I mean it has a browser, and so you know having to like do interesting things. And another one that's really interesting is. There's been a lot of people in the the office community that have been really interested in making one of these like smart right. mirrors for your like when you yeah. get get ready in the morning where you have like a it's a behind it is like an LCD but it's a, a two way mirror or one way mirror to where it can show you like your calendar and like maybe a few other things so I think you know that's uh, all along the same kind of lines but it's cool to see it at the like full like broad consumer that's, scale that's very neat indeed. There's a, there's a very cool Hackster, Hackster.io project for building uh, a, a, a smart mirror with, uh, with a Raspberry Pi. So uh, I, I, I probably won't have it in this week's show notes, but we might, I might see if I can dig it out uh, a bit later on. Um, so uh, earlier this week, in fact, late last week, I sat down with Max Kanor, as I said before, and we talked about some DevOps, DevOps things. And before we get to the interview, there's a bunch of great DevOps uh, resources out uh, this week as well from uh, from people all around the place. So, Waldeck, um, you already talked about Waldeck's session, uh, 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 post on extending uh, the SharePoint framework build process with custom tasks, which is part of this DevOps process. But there's a bunch of other cool things too. The um, the Sorry, go yeah. on. I was going to say that the, the PMP guys have put a bunch of PowerShell commands together, for example. Yeah, you know, that was a, at first, PMP really started as more like, like pure, like C sharp and JavaScript type samples. But it was pretty early on that they decided that, hey, um, if you look at like an IT pro, they're constantly using PowerShell. And, and if we can help automate more than what PowerShell offers, that would be great. And so they started building kind of the SharePoint PNP.PowerShell set of commands. And uh, it's been really popular. We've had so many contributors to that um, that it's, it, you know, it's kind of taken uh, kind of a life of its own out of the PNP. Uh, it's very, grouping. very cool. It makes so many of those tasks, as I talked to Max about later on, it makes so many of those tasks repeatable and, uh, and, and uh, absolutely solid because they, you know they're doing what you, exactly what you expect them to do every time. Um, there's also a bunch of scripts that have been written for um, for deploying Office, which is not just useful for the for the IT pros, but also when you're starting to deploy um, test environments. No, I, I, I think that's that's a, a really good one as well. Um, another one, uh, I'll I'll see if I can't get you the links to this before this goes live. But uh, Chris O'Brien, who is one of my favorite MVPs based out of uh, the UK. He is has some amazing things that he's written around kind of like automated uh, automated testing and deployment uh, that really uh, probably align really nicely with with your interview. So we'll see if we can't get that awesome. out of the show. And the last notes. one I wanted to mention before we did this is a, a very cool um, uh, uh, tool for visualizing ARM templates. Now, not everyone knows what ARM templates are, but they're an awesome way of um, uh, configuring a, a set of resources in Azure, Azure, Azure Resource Manager uh, um, uh, uh, templates, and they're a way of configuring a set of resources so you can deploy them all in one go with a pre-configured uh, set of um, uh, you know, set configuration. Now, the the lovely thing about ARM templates is that you can that you, you can you can 
put them as part of your build process to go and deploy an entire environment. But they are all traditionally just JSON files. And but the um, there's there's quite a nice tool that uh, Tobias Zimmerman has uh, has blogged about, which will allow you to visualize that in a in a in a much more graphical way how how the components fit together. So, but that's that's the weekly that's the weekly update. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we're going to jump into this interview next. Anything you want to say finally to to everyone? You know, hello again. Nice to see you. I'll just uh, I'm really excited. I've seen a lot of uh, activity on Twitter while I've been kind of away of people uh, really interested in the show and providing like uh, you know cool feedback in terms of what they want to hear and and um, on on some of the shows we've already recorded. So that's awesome. The the more we hear from the audience, the the better the show can be. Um, I'm super stoked that. That Coatsy has done such a great job carrying the torch on this, and I know he'll continue to do that. And uh, I'll, tr- like I said, try to slip in wherever That's I can. Awesome, Thanks so much. And um, I just want to echo what Rich says there. If if there's anything you'd like to see in the show, things you reckon we can do better, that'd be great. I had some wonderful feedback in the last uh, last week or so about how to improve some of the uh, the audio quality. So I've taken that on board. Hopefully that's uh, that's fixing things up. But but also on content itself, if you've got things that you think should be on the show we're not talking about, or things you'd like to hear more about, then please uh, drop me a note on Twitter or find me on on uh, on my blog or, or or however you like. There's uh, links in there's contact links in the in the show notes. So please do track me down. I was going to say, same thing is if you're a contributor and we're not talking about your contributions every week, let us know. I mean, it's some, sometimes, especially if you're outside of like the country that, that we live in, sometimes it might be harder to track that stuff down, but we definitely want to uh, recognize you for the, the work that you're doing. So uh, shoot us a note if you're a, a contributor. Uh, we'd love Absolutely. to know about it. Thanks, man. And, and with that, uh, we're going to jump into the interview I did with Max Knorr. Max is a, uh, a, a TE like you, uh, like you, Richard, working for the, I'm um, oh, sorry, uh, what you're called now, a, an SDE, a, a, a software, software development engineer, working for the TED team. Actually, Max is actually based out of Austria. So it's funny, I'm in Australia. Max is in Austria. You're in Austin. There's, a, there's some sort of link here, I'm sure. And, um, uh, <laughs> and uh, I actually managed to catch up with him while I was in Redmond last week uh, with, a, with a couple of partners. And we just sat down to have a chat about, um, A, about a, a cool tool he'd written, but B, about DevOps in office development more generally. So here's the interview. So this week, uh, I'm very privileged to have uh, Max Knorr on the line. So hi, Max. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, very well, thanks, mate. And I appreciate you making some time. I understand uh, even though you're an Austrian native, you're uh, not in Austria at the moment. Yeah, right. So, um, Andrew, I'm working in the Globalize We team of our um, TED DX developer experience organization. And yeah, global ISV, that already implies you've got to travel a lot. So I'm, I'm working with five uh, European global ISVs, large European global ISVs in airline and transportation and banking. Uh, but even though they're European, they, they um, well, have offices all over the world, even in Australia. Um, so yeah, traveling a lot. And right now I'm in rainy Redmond here. <laughs> Very good indeed, and uh, so you just telling me just before we got on, the, before I pressed record, that you've been at Microsoft almost ten years now, coming up for your anniversary uh, next month. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to the great glass uh, figure they're going to give me as a prize for uh, as an award for ten years. Yeah, uh, it's it's a lovely thing. It might mind sitting up way up high in a window and it casts rainbows all over the room, about which my children are delighted most of the time. The um, it's <laughs> very cool. Um, it's uh, you, you, so you've been at Microsoft for ten years. What have you been doing during that time? 
So I did spend the first four years as an evangelist in the local Austrian subsidiary, not Australian, but almost. Um, so I've been a developer evangelist in DPE back then, um, doing a lot of, well, actually podcasts as well, but thanks God they're all deleted by now, I hope. Uh, <laughs> I'm, we'll sure, I'm sure the Wayback Machine can find them if people look really hard. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really not too sure about that. I'll, I'll have to check on being right afterwards. But anyway, um, uh, doing conferences, stuff like that. And then, yeah, I moved over to a global team. And since then, I've worked in the ISV team on different um, positions. Great. And, and um, I guess one of the things that you've been particularly focusing on recently is this idea of DevOps, DevOps and developer operations synergies. Uh, Tell us a bit about that and, and maybe how it's evolved over that time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I guess folks uh, listening to the podcast are aware of DevOps. If, if not, it's basically development and operations working together. Uh, a bad thing, right? Uh, the guys building the software, collaborating with the guys actually running the software. Um, who thought that would be important one point in time? But um, as, as a lot of companies transform into SaaS providers, the role really changes. It's no longer about shipping a MSI setup package or anything, but it's really about running the software as well. Um, so um, collaboration between dev and ops becomes even more important. And there's like four phases um, and really like first two plan and develop. They're in the traditional dev team, but then phase three is release, which is um, in the operation space. And phase four is monitor and learn how people are using the application. There's also operations duty. And that's, of course, feeding back into development team again. So as operation learns about people, how they're actually using the software, that's being fed back to the, opera, uh, to the dev teams. And we see that a lot with Office, um, but also other applications that we as Microsoft are providing as a service these days. Yeah, we'll get to Office in, in a moment or two because I think there's some interesting um, uh, specific things we can talk about with Office and DevOps. But the, but let's talk a bit more generally still because I think that, that your point about um, involving the, the two sides of the fence, as it were, is a really a really good one. And, and it seems to me that, in fact, the fence is, is completely coming down and we're getting our operations guys involved earlier and earlier in the development process, even perhaps before we ship stuff. Uh, oh, absolutely. Or it's also... Uh, if, if we look at things in the Azure world as, as ARM templates, for instance, it's actually also developers already thinking about uh, rolling out the software, which is something that has not happened. So when I go and visit, uh, visited, I have to be in past tense here, when I, when I visited the global ISVs a few years back, it was like, um, yeah, we don't know how to even install our software. We're just developing it um, to, to test it, roll it out. We have to talk to the deployment team. And that's absolutely no longer the, the case, right? Development teams should think about how the software is being, be, being rolled out as well, how high availability is done, how monitoring is done. And you can't just start with that once the software is done, right? You should think... Uh, even during development, how that's done. And ARM templates, in, in fact, the, the deployment manifest how the software is being rolled out to Azure are a lot of the time, time now written by the dev teams themselves, even though that's rolling out the software onto machines, right? 
Right, and I think we're starting to get people who are traditionally on the operations side of the fence in the developer teams, and so they become an integral part of that team where they, their, their speciality is developing those ARM, tem- ARM templates and understanding how the, the, uh, the, the bits fit together and how what networking things need to happen and how load balances work and some of those sort of black magic arts that we never really thought of in the dev team before are being brought in from that expertise that those guys have been doing it for ages uh, can bring. Absolutely. Yeah, I fully agree, Andrew. I think it's, it's actually the lines are blurring more and more. And even PowerShell, is that is that traditional IT, uh, IT pro uh, stuff or is PowerShell more development? So the lines are blurring more and more. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that and the PowerShell one particularly is a fascinating one with the recent announcement of, um, of PowerShell being released on, on other operating systems and being open sourced. That's, uh, that takes things even further. Right? We, we could go down that, uh, that path for, for a long, long time. Perhaps we'll, we'll come back to that if we have time a bit later on. But let's talk a bit more about specific things around office development. Now, office development's traditionally been very constrained by the fact that you want to run it in office or the fact that um, uh, you want to talk to a specific set of services. But that's starting to change as well. Yeah, I'm sure you've covered that on other on other podcasts here. But we've got the new add-in model in Office, which is all built on HTML and JavaScript, and that's that's actually quite revolutionary because it's changing, it's evolving the way how you're developing Office add-ins. Um, is is no longer C or MFC or uh, .NET uh, with any com APIs underneath, but it's, basically just HTML and JavaScript. And of course, with that, um, you have to host the HTML and JavaScript somewhere. The web content needs to sit on a web server. And basically, what, what that is at the end is a SaaS application. Now, when you're uh, providing an office add-in, you're at the same time a SaaS provider that uh, hosts the HTML on some web server somewhere. And you have to think about how to roll out new versions onto that web server with like staging environments and things like that as well. That's fascinating. I'd never really thought about it as a, as a SaaS environment, but you're, now, now that you explain it that way, it makes perfect sense. You really are a, a, you're providing that software as a service inside the, the, the office host. I, I really like that way of thinking about things. What, um, what sort of things does that bring to the, to the office development uh, process, the, the development and operations process then that, that weren't there before? Um, well, I mean, lo- looking back at, at the DevOps life cycle, um, you, you have to, I mean, what, what I experienced is, is quite helpful thinking about it tr- or treating the office set in as a regular web application in the sense of having multiple environments. Um, so right now at, at the add-in that we're building, um, here internally, we're having two environments, one for QA and the other one for production. And uh, we're using VSTS, Visual Studio Team Systems uh, Release Management, to actually release um, the, the new version, first of all, to that staging environment uh, or QA environment, um, then testing the application uh, in Outlook, and only after that giving approval for production rollout. Um, so you, you, you're applying the same principles that you would apply if it was a website, just the website runs in the context of Outlook, for instance, and interacts with Outlook desktop or Outlook web then on top as well. But it is a website after all. Absolutely. Uh, so what, um, 
what are you doing around around rolling out into QA into into uh, into production? They're, they must, for example, have multiple manifest files. How does that work? Uh, well, yeah, that that is interesting. Yeah, the manifest, the the office manifests. Um, is, is quite interesting. So in our case, uh, what, what we decided to do is basically just use placeholder in there because it is um, so, well, we do have these two environments, QA and production, and that's two different Azure web apps. Um, so we have like qa.azurewebsites.net, we have production, something production azurewebsites.net. And as you, as you say, we have to switch that back and forth in the manifest uh, so when we develop the manifest, when we when we um, develop the code, we check in the manifest, but leave the URLs um, with a token in there, uh, which is underline underline Azure Web URL underline underline. So it's like a a token that's being replaced during build or actually during release with the corresponding URL. So during release, the, uh, the manifest is being picked by the release process. Um, and in the XML, these tokens are replaced by the actual physical URLs being the staging order, QA production, whatever URLs, and then the manifest is uploaded. Got it. And so uh, does it, does it, do you end up having multiple versions of the app on your, sorry, the add-in on your machine or on a machine, a tester's machine, a, a prod one and, and, a, and a QA one, for example, or do you actually replace the manifest for that particular add-in at, at, at testing time or at deployment time? Yeah, in fact, you if you want to have two of them installed, what I realized uh, through, through trial and error is you, you're going to have two different IDs associated to the app IDs, right? So, um, yeah, right now that's what we do. We have two uh, app IDs as well, two GUIDs uh, as well. And hence there's actually a staging good and the production good and now this the, the add-in that we're doing is for outlook so when you go into outlook it's a um, command bar add-in a ribbon button a custom ribbon button and there's now two buttons in the ribbon right and we are actually giving it two different captions one says staging something and the other one doesn't include staging so right. testing it can differentiate excellent and, and the testing process is interesting to me too, because uh, obviously part of this, the DevOps release cycle is, is whether things can, can pass tests. So what are some of the, the things that you have to, to look at around um, testing office add-ins, I guess particularly Outlook in your case, that, uh, that you can automate and some of the things that you can't? Well, I think uh, quite frankly in our project, we can still do better on the testing side because right now... Um, all of the testing is a manual process, really. Um, but we're like in the second month, um, and it's only a small project internally here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, you, there, there is, uh, well, next steps should be think about unit tests, JavaScript unit tests, first of all, uh, with Jasmine um, and, and some of the uh, frameworks. But then you also have to mock out the JavaScript, the Office JavaScript API somehow. So right. you'd have to provide a mock for the Office context, like like the mail context object in Outlook. You'd have to mock them all out um, to, to have a meaningful unit test. And so that's one thing we're, we're trying to look into. Um, and, and then the other question is, could you somehow automate the... Um, could you somehow automatically test uh, requests going back and forth? 
but we're actually doing OAuth authentication against VSTS. So the add-in itself talks to VSTS. So we're dealing with an OAuth token against VSTS, and that's a bit hard to automate. So we, we are looking into that. How could you automatically log in with some uh, test user and then do some requ request uh, response playback tests to check whether the API is still behaving as you, as you would expect regression testing on, on some of the networking stuff, things like that, basically. Well, I think you've just identified two excellent uh, TED projects for the next little while. One is um, a bunch of mock uh, objects for the various Office JS libraries, and the other one is uh, some automated uh, OAuth testing. So, yeah, if you could get onto those and have those done by the end of the week, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, we can do 50-50. Which one do you want to do, Andrew? <laughs> Touche. Well, good call. Um, that's really cool, man. So one of the things that you guys, uh, or you in particular built as part of this process was a way of automatically uh, deploying the manifest. You built a, a VSTS build uh, step as part of this process and put it actually in the VSTS store. Tell me a bit about that. All right. Yeah. So um, for, for the testing that you mentioned earlier, um, we figured it would actually be neat if the um, Outlook add-in would be installed into Exchange automatically or into Office 365 automatically. And to do that, there is a um, SOAP web service available for ages in Exchange web services. Um, uh, a method, it's called install app or uninstall app. Uh, so what we've done is we, um, we we basically decided we want to call that install app functionality. And I guess it's the same that Visual Studio is using. Uh, if you're doing an Outlook add-in and hit debug, Visual Studio brings that up, calls the SOAP web service, I suppose. I haven't verified that, but I, I guess right. that's what they do, um, to deploy it into Office, uh, to into O365 Exchange. So we thought it would be nice if that would happen, but without Visual Studio open. Basically, if that would happen during the build process. And that's why, um, yeah, we decided to build a build task that calls install app or uninstall app, takes your manifest, sends it uh, to the web service in Base64 encoded, and yeah, that, that basically just installs your application in Outlook. So as the we do it actually not in the build process, we do it in the release process. As the release process goes along and um, the QA release is done, the last step of the QA release actually involves calling this custom build task, reaching out to Exchange Web Services and provisioning the manifest so that the tester actually sees the manifest, well, sees the button showing up in Outlook physically. Yeah, so one of the things I love about that whole concept of building it in as part of the release process is it becomes completely repeatable. It doesn't matter how often you do the build and release cycle, you're not going to get uh, a human error making uh, a dent in your testing and deployment process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the reason why we did, inv in, uh, well, invent it or why... We not really invented, invent might be too, too much. Why we uh, did bring it in because basically laziness, right? Uh, if you have to think about a thousand things, then you, well, have to think about them. If they're automated, if they're in the build or release process, then you can be lazy once you're done uh, because things are going to happen automatically. I love it. I, there, there are two things I talk about being integral to being a great developer. And one of them is being boastful and the other one is being lazy. I think those are two really important uh, important things that a, that a developer needs. 
That's uh, that, that's great. So, mate, um, you're, you've uh, you've uh, put all of the stuff up not only uh, in the VSTS marketplace, but also all the source for this is up on GitHub. Yeah, right, right. So uh, you can go to GitHub.com/slash/knom. And then you're going to find uh, that source code there. In fact, the uh, source code for the build task is not new. I did use that in another project earlier, which is a VS Code, Visual Studio Code add-in to provide the same functionality. Um, So they they upload from VS Code into Exchange. And I did just take that source code. You can find the VS Code add-in on GitHub as well. It's in the same repo. And I oh, just take that Node.js code and wrap it up into a Node.js build task. That's wonderful. So I've got a link to that in the show notes uh, so people can go and find that as well. I've also got a link to uh, a blog you've just uh, started, a series, a blog series you've just started writing on applying DevOps principles to office add-in development. Looks like post one is up there and the others are uh, on the way. Yeah, right, right. Uh, as it is with blogging, I did the blog that 10 minutes before we recorded the podcast here. Uh, but yeah, planning to add at least three more posts going through the significant phases of the uh, phases of the DevOps cycle: develop, release, monitor, and learn. Because there's much more in there. So we're also using application insights in the monitoring phase. So app insights on both the server side, but also on the JavaScript client side. So as you click through the Outlook add-in. Uh, JavaScript uh, SDK actually collects some of of the page views or behaviors that you're doing and sends it over to Azure Application Insights. So we learn more what people are using with the add-in, how they're using it, when it crashes. It's basically like the old Watson service, um, but available on Azure to use in .NET, Java, JavaScript. And we're using it in .NET and JavaScript on the server and client side. That's going to be covered on the blog as well. That's great. I'm really looking forward to reading those. I think it's a, it's a fascinating insight into a, a part of the dev cycle that I think most of us uh, as developers need to know more about. So uh, thanks very much for that. That's a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's, uh, that, that's, a, that's a great insight into, into what you've been up to and, and to some of the things that we need to be thinking about as office developers. Is there anything else you'd like to, like to cover off or, or uh, chat about? Well, no, basically that's it. I think, um, yeah, if you guys are interested in in using some of the tasks, go to the marketplace. There's also some shameless plug here. There's a regex, regular expression replace task as well. Um, So in the office manifest, there's actually, uh, for those who have tried it, you guys are aware, is actually validating the office manifest uh, for valid URLs. So if you're going our approach with the tokens during the build is actually validating that these are tokens and not valid URLs. So you're never going to be able to actually build the manifest uh, or actually build just involves validating the manifest. That's never going to happen. Build is always going to fail because of an invalid manifest XML. Uh, So we're doing some commenting, uncommenting, some some rewriting of the file through regular expressions. And I was surprised I didn't find any regular expression build tasks. So we had to write that as well, but it's not, not a lot of effort, quite frankly. It's using PowerShell for regex replace. And then another one is for markdown to HTML. And that's actually quite cool. Uh, there is another 
uh, build task in the marketplace that lets you generate release nodes. So it uh, looks up the commits that you have done to Git uh, or to, to um, Team Foundation version control. And it looks up the associated work items as well. And it uses a markdown template to come up with a sophisticated release note document. It says, yeah, during this build or during this, uh, this release, these are the new features that we've added. And it does that automatically during the build or release process. So that's really cool. And the outcome we, we um, now transform into HTML using that markdown to HTML task that we've done. And once that is done, we also add that to the web server. So on our web server, there's now automatically published release notes in HTML. Um, look at the blog post if you guys are interested in that. There's going to be details on that as well. As well as Git version. Uh, that might be another blog post completely. Git versions is quite cool. Uh, blog post or podcast. Git version is a tool for automatically versioning, creating a version number for your source code. So it looks at Git, uh, at the state of the Git uh, repo, and then comes up with a automatically generated version number, one, two, four, or something, five, two, zero. It's automatically incrementing. There are certain rules behind it. It follows the Git flow principle. And that's another really great VSTS build task that we did not write. Somebody else did write that, but we've used it. And we're going to um, highlight, I'm going to highlight that in the blog post as well. Uh, so that's awesome. yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, to all the Office developers out there, definitely take a look at VSTS um, and build and release management is definitely going to make your life easier if you're running an add-in in production somewhere. Awesome. Max Knorr, thanks very much uh, very for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you you're making time to do that, especially because you're completely out of your time zone at the moment. So uh, making time this week has been, uh, been hard, but I do very much appreciate it. And I've learned lots from uh, from, from you about this uh, this whole DevOps thing, particularly on Office. I look forward to uh, to what to, to reading the, the blog posts that come out in the next uh, next few weeks. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, keep on coding.